Acts 20 is the end of Paul's missionary journey, and in it he has a lot to say to his disciples and to the local church. What are those things, and what do they have to do with you? Well, we're going to talk about that today on The Midweek Move. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Move, the show where we're going through the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, discover the context of the scriptures and its practical application. Uh, this has been a, a really interesting journey over the last 20 weeks. That's right, 20 weeks we've been going through the book of Acts and we've seen all kinds of crazy things. We had various guests on the show that have brought their own expertise. And today, as we wrap up Acts 20, uh, which is wrapping up Paul's missionary journey, we thought we'd have somebody very special with us. And that is my friend missionary... Cody Barbier, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Doing good, brother. How are you today? I'm great. It's good to be with you. Oh, man. Now, Cody, you are a, a missionary. You and your wife and your daughter. Yeah. You guys have been serving for five years now, actively uh, on the mission field full time. Yes. Uh, seven and a half years ago, we stepped in out by faith. So Right. Seven and a half years, uh, we started going on mission trips, and then five years ago, we moved to Nairobi, Kenya. Wow. That is crazy, yeah. Nairobi, Kenya. And so you're home right now for a while, and uh, we're going to have some more information. He's going to tell you guys about his mission and everything he does and his family and the amazing things God's done at the end of the show. So stick around for that. Um, but, man, I'm really excited about today because you're going to be giving us a really interesting insight to this passage because you yourself have, have lived this life. You have gone to places, and you've had to come home. Yeah. And um, we were talking about this in kind of the pre-show. Um, I say pre-show. It was just a couple of days ago. Um I'm just really excited and <laughs> hope you guys are too, because again, you, you're going to bring a really interesting perspective to this conversation. So let's jump into it. We're going to be in Acts chapter 20, starting off in verse one. It says this, after the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them and departed to go to Macedonia. Now, pausing right there real quick, the uproar that took place, we see in chapter 19, you guys will remember from last week, um, Paul is in a particular city and people kind of have a freak out because he's preaching about Jesus and how you shouldn't do idol worship. Yeah. That's a bad thing to do. And the local idol makers are like, wait a minute, <laughs> that might hit our pocketbook. <laughs> so there was an uproar about that. And so Paul's going to have to leave town basically, right? Yeah. He kicks out. Yeah. So verse two, and uh, when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece. Now, a lot of uh, commentators I've looked at in the past, maybe you know it differently, um, when it says Greece, he's probably in Corinth. This is probably when he was spending his time in Corinth doing ministry in, to the Corinthians. Yeah. Um, so verse three, and stayed there three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to re return through Macedonia. And so Parter of Beria, can't say words today, accomplished, uh, accompanied him to Asia and Aristarchus. I don't, I don't know exactly how to say that. Oh, so. Come on, man. I thought yeah. you had this. <laughs> and singers of the Thessalonians and uh, uh, Gaius of Debris and Timothy and Tyrusius and Triumphus of Asia. I apologize I got, to all you guys who are going through this. Um, three, uh, these men going ahead waited for us at Troa, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread in, uh, <laughs> and in five days joined them at Troas where we stayed seven days. Okay. Lots of things happening. A lot of terrible vocabulary spoken out because I don't speak 
this language on a regular basis. What's happened here so far? Yeah, so basically, I mean, he's he's a missionary, and he's doing what a missionary is supposed to do. Right. And uh, he's shaking things up <laughs> in, in um, Ephe- Ephesus, right? Yeah. And then, so now he's just backtracking. Right. He he wanted to go one way, and, and I think the Holy Spirit was like, don't go that way. Right. And so he's kind of just backtracking basically through the same route that he had taken on his first on this third missionary journey. Right. Now, uh, we see some interesting vocabulary taking place in the scriptures here. It says, verse 5, these men going ahead waited for us. Now, we know um, contextually here, the person who wrote the book of Luke was Luke. So Luke has now inserted himself back into the narrative here. Yeah. We talked about a few weeks ago how uh, he kind of pops up in the narrative as traveling with Paul, and then there's a point in Philippi actually where he kind of separates from Paul when Paul goes on. Verse 6, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. So the suggestion is that Paul has come back to Philippi and he's rejoined Luke now. Yeah, like Luke had stayed there right. while he while he continued on. Exactly. Now, the days of unleavened bread, this is the, um, the uh, what we call it Easter. <laughs> this is what we call uh, Passover, if you will. And so um, I think it's interesting because even though we think of Paul as doing all these great stuff to the... Um, to the Gentiles, he's still being honoring of his heritage, his Jewish roots. He's not leaving that behind. He's still like, I'm, I'm still a Jew. Like, yeah. I'm not a Gentile. I hang with you guys, but I still have to honor my family and what I walk through myself. And so that's what we have happening here with um, that unleavened bread aspect of things. Yeah, exactly. And as you'll see, I mean, not to jump too far ahead in, yeah. in the story, <laughs> but uh, they're going to trap them down and say, if, you know, you, you say that you, you say that you're not ostracizing the Jewish people, but you have to do something to prove it. And you know, like he's right now, he's also going through those feasts. In earlier chapters, in this chapter 16, mm-hmm. he actually tells, I believe it was Timothy, mm-hmm. Timothy at the time, to uh, be circumcised. Yeah. And so while we see that there's this dichotomy or these two sides, like there's the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians, and Paul is like trying to u- unite them. Right. Um, at the same time, he's not, he's saying it, it's not bad to be Jewish and to honor tradition. Right. And uh, I, I think, especially from the missionary perspective, whenever I go to Kenya, mm-hmm. um, a lot of churches look like they were set up by uh, Westerners. I can see that. <laughs> you know? And you think, okay, well, all of these different cultural elements Mm-hmm. That could have played in the part like of worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Why? Are, why is it so different and, than the culture? And uh, that's what people thought that Paul was coming to town. Mm-hmm. He's doing away with the tradition, right? And uh, and now he's just setting up this Jewish kingdom. I mean, uh, this <laughs> Gentile kingdom, right? And uh, and and we don't have any place for that anymore. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he's saying, "No, I I still honor the tradition. The tradition is good. Right? There's a place for that, but it's not for everybody, right? right. It's you know, whenever he goes into Galatians, he's he's speaking directly against those who have taken the tradition too far, right? And imposed their idea of church, right? And uh, what they enjoy, like if you enjoy hymns in the church, that's great. If you enjoy, uh, you know, if you like the tradition of putting on a suit and tie in church, that's great. You have that place. Right. 
but you don't have to impose those things on everyone, right? Absolutely. That's so good. Now, let me ask you, how do you balance that out? As a missionary, you're traveling, you're an American, yeah. right? I mean, born and raised here <laughs> in the United States, <laughs> you know, and uh, you've gone overseas, you're serving in Kenya. How do you find the balance of honoring uh, your heritage as an American, but serving the Kenyan people? Yeah. And uh, the hardest part is putting my culture and aside mm -hmm. and realizing there's so many more things to culture than just like the way we dress right? and the songs we sing, like mm. time, you know, like That's in so Kenya. Um, no, time has always been this thing that really uh, gives me anxiety. If, <laughs> if something's not on time, well, nothing in Kenya is done on our Western <laughs> mindset of time. So what I did was I started to uh, tell my friends, if I want something done at, at 5, I say, be here at 4.30. <laughs> and then I'm never disappointed if they show up by 5 because right. that's the time I actually wanted it done. <laughs> um, time, like um, the honor-shame culture, which is, you know, we're very individualistic in, in, in Western society and other societies are very communal. Right. And they, they value like honor and, and, and there's this aspect of of shaming someone um, if something were to happen. And actually, this a lot of these cultures are closer to the culture that was found in the biblical text, right? Um, the Near Eastern culture. And so we first thing I have to put those things aside mm -hmm. and um, try as best to sit and to learn <laughs> from Kenya, yeah, and, and and learn their culture and learn how they do things and. And uh, ask questions. A lot of times I ask questions, did, did this sound right? Did it come off the way I wanted it to come off? Sure. Trying to uh, respectfully ask questions and learn. Right. Um, and then going forward, like, okay, well, this was something that I learned from the beginning. Well, you know, maybe uh, a Honda motorcycle is the best one in the country, right? Right. So I think, well, if I buy you a Honda motorcycle... You'll have the best one, and there's not going to be any problems because you have the best Honda motorcycle. Well, maybe in your town, there's no Honda motorcycle dealership or parts. Oh, right. Um, and you live five hours, eight hours away from a Honda motorcycle dealer. Right. So I need to ask questions and not just think, well, you know, I know what the best is, but what would actually serve you? Right. What serves you for your area? Maybe it's this uh, this one that's a Chinese brand that I don't know about, but it's the best one for that local community. Right. And uh, that's how we become more effective in the beginning. I, I knew, uh, I thought I knew like what people needed. Right. And how to meet those needs. Right. Um, but what I realized is that I did things that were helpful in a sense, but Sometimes in the long run, it didn't fully meet that need. Right. And it didn't particularly speak into, uh, you know, like where they were at. Word. So good. And this, again, this is the reason why we're taking some time on this, guys, is because we want you to understand, like, when we go to the word, we're, we're studying not just what was done, but how it applies to our lives. Paul was a missionary, and he's having to balance out these cultural aspects of his life as a as a Jew and a Greek. And then he's traveling within the Gentile world, but he's still maintaining of who himself is. He, yeah. He's a he's a Jewish individual. So lots of things happening here. All right, let's keep going. Uh, verse seven through twelve. Can you read that for us? Uh, on the let's see, sorry. <laughs> on the first day of the week when we were 
Gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged this message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together, and there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the window seal, uh, sinking into deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. Oof. But, <laughs> but Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him, said, he said, uh, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. When he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked them talked with them a long while until daybreak and then left. They took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. All right. So some interesting ha- things happened here in, in Troas. And again, this is a different area than where he was at beforehand. And again, I, I want you guys to understand, sometimes when we read these passages, we just kind of burn through it and we go, we're in the same place. This is yeah. a different town. This yeah. is days later, right? This is uh, seven days after the original event where he was having uh, doing the Passover, right? So he's with them and he, they're sitting down, they're breaking bread. Now this has, um, there's a lot of conversation about breaking bread. This is partly the whole doing communion yeah. with the fellowship. Uh, and on the first day, again, there's some debate about that. This could have been Saturday. Um, and he was planning to leave the next day on, on Sunday. Because uh, with Jewish rules, you weren't allowed to travel for so far or anything. Or this could have actually been uh, Sunday itself. And he was planning to head out on Monday. Again, it's it can go several different directions there. But he's in there. He understands he's about to leave. So he's actually with people and he's talking with them. He's he's basically going, I'm about to leave. And he's he's giving his last commands, yeah. basically. He's giving his last instructions to the people. And it's getting late. And apparently some people were falling asleep. I don't know if it was boring <laughs> or if it was just tired. <laughs> now, the late night. Right? Now, I did read something interesting. Um, now, let me know if you've ever heard of this. I was talking about... Paul was real specific about mentioning the the mini lamps, and the suggestion is that they were oil lamps, and that part of the reason why they're getting tired was there's actually a a aroma within those lamps that was making people drowsy in themselves, wow. and uh, and this this young man who was probably about fourteen years old, he just fell asleep, yeah, and, <laughs> and had an abrupt awakening. <laughs> oh my gosh, have you ever had that, anything like that happen to you? Um. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they snored quietly in your sermons. Yeah. Well, no, definitely. I, I, I guess I put a lot of people to sleep you know, in my sermons. Um, in the pre-show, we were talking about this. You had an interesting aspect about uh, something about the um, how the boy was no longer dead. It stuck out to you in a certain way about the apostolic. What were, what were we trying to say about that? Yeah. So um, this Bible scholar, uh, Dr. Heiser, he talks about this, and he he says that uh, he says that you have to read the story of the Bible. Now, don't don't take this the wrong way, <laughs> but uh, as a fiction, mm. because in a fiction you think of you you think ahead. You're like, why did they put that in the story? Mm-hmm. And so he says you have to read it like that in order to see what the Lord through Luke was trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And so this part, it may just seem like it's just some cool story that they were throwing in there, mm-hmm. but it actually relates to Paul's um, apostleship. Mm-hmm. And throughout the book of Acts, there, you know, 
once they get into the section of Paul, they're trying to show Paul is an apostle. Right. And Paul, throughout his works, he's always saying an apostle of Christ. Like right. he's trying to make sure that they know that he he is an apostle. Mm-hmm. And this story goes back to um, what Peter did in chapter 9. Mm-hmm. And it also is similar uh, to the story of Elijah and then the story of Elisha mm-hmm. in, in First Kings and Second Kings where they both raised the dead. Right. Which to them would be a, I mean, to anybody, it's a miraculous oh, yeah. sign, but absolutely, it speaks to his apostleship and his authority in Christ. I mean, this guy was the guy that was just running down the streets, killing Christians. Right. I mean, I guess there would be doubt, you know, <laughs> like if, if uh, some known terrorist is now preaching Christ, you have, you have a few doubts. Yeah. <laughs> we need to see some receipts here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like you don't want to see the normal fruit. Oh, he's loving. He's. He's joyful. No, I want to see like real right. miraculous stuff. Exactly. <laughs> and so it speaks to his authority because his uh, apostleship, whenever he lays on a body, it's just like what Elisha did, mm-hmm. got in the bed, laid on the body, and then this uh, this kid awake. Right. It's interesting you bring this up because um, we talked about it a few weeks ago. It's only a couple of times that Luke specifically names Paul an apostle. Yeah. It's always um, highlighting a lot of aspects of, of an evangelist or a preacher. But it does, with the view of what you just brought up, it does seem like he's painting the picture of of the whole show, don't tell. Like, yeah. I want you to see yeah. what he does. I don't want to just tell you. And again, he's writing to an individual, um, Theophilus, who's a leader of some sort, who... He's heard about things, but yeah. he's, he needs to know what is happening here. And so that's what Paul or Luke is doing. He's like, let me paint this picture for you in a rule. I like what you had to say about that, about that. You have to read it kind of like a fiction. Because sometimes we approach nonfiction, which this is, and we go, and these are the facts. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> this is what we have. They, they did this. But I think what uh, Heiser was saying was that we need to put ourselves here yeah. and really experience the scriptures in a real way. So good deal, man. You know, thoughts on that before we continue on? No, that's good. All right, cool. All right, verse 13 <clears throat> says this. Then we went ahead to the ship. Again, we we have Luke present with him. Went ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos. The, they're intending to take Paul on board, for, for so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when we met us, when he met us at Assos, he took him on, we took him on board and came to Mid- Midland. We sailed from there, and the next day came came opposite of Chios. Why am I always getting the hard words? <laughs> yeah, thanks for taking those scriptures. You know, you, you know, this is, what, <laughs> this is what we do as leaders. We take the hard things. <laughs> the following day, we arrived at Samos and stayed at Troglium. And the next day, uh, we came to Midias. Guys, I, we're being as real as possible. Some of you guys, you're struggling to read these words, too. This is a real life. All right, I'm a pastor. I've been to Bible college. I still struggle. It's okay. Breathe slow. Verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus. I know that word. So that he would not have to spend time (laughs) in Asia. For he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So again, we have this this little passage here. It's given us more of his journey. Yeah. Kind of backtracking, like you said, trying to get to a place. But he's in a hurry. Like he's like, I need to get to Jerusalem. He's feeling the call to to basically go back to home base, if you will. Um, we get the sense day of Pentecost. That's a big deal. Yeah. 
Um, that's a big deal in Jewish culture, obviously. It's a, the Feast of Weeks. But also it's a uh, for the early church. They're like, man, this is when things really started for us. You got any thoughts on this? Um, I think it's interesting that he, he didn't want to stop in Ephesus. You know, they had just <laughs> imprisoned him. He's like, if I stop there, they're going right. to throw me in jail for a few days <laughs> and, uh, and I won't make it right on time. That is interesting because... <laughs> I mean, the places he's passing through, like these are places he got kicked out of and, you know, beaten up and all this other kind of stuff. And yet he's continuing his journey through because, you know, he has a mission he has to complete. And that's going to, this conversation about Ephesus is going to, it's going to come into play here in just a second. If you could do me a favor, uh, read verses um, 17 through um, 25 for us. You took all the hard words out, right? I did. You're welcome. 17 to? (laughs) 17 through 25. Okay. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to them the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said unto them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound in the spirit, I am on the way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying the bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Okay, let's, let's stop here for a second because a lot that just took place. Um, what what's happening? What has Paul just said to this the these individuals? Um, I mean, he's saying that he he was a faithful preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, that he declared he he um, he showed them the gospel, mm-hmm. shared with them the gospel, and basically saying that they're going to have to c- keep it up, right? Uh, because they're not going to see him again, right? Now this is a big deal. He's he's done life with these individuals. Yeah. I mean, this is this is years in the making. Him um, making tents. It wasn't like he was just there preaching. We had this we had this weird idea of that where the preachers are always just all they do is yeah. Sunday morning. This guy was well, he he did life with them. He was in the marketplace with them. He went through hard times. He went through good times with them. This is not just people he speaks to, but these are almost family to him. Yeah. And now he's saying, "You're not going to see me anymore." <laughs> And I'm going to Jerusalem where some bad things are going to happen. Right, exactly. He seems to have a sense of, I know something's coming down the pipeline. All right, so you as a you, you as a missionary, um, we had this conversation the other day. It was interesting for you coming off the, the field to come home for uh, the season that you need, you're in yeah. right now. Um, you're having to make this transition. And it's interesting because um, I, I remember I was talking to this one person. She was a, she was a missionary's kid, and she, she struggles with um, – you know, here she is, this blonde hair, blue eyed girl yeah. living in Argentina. And the people there look at her and they go, You're an American. But for her, she's like, I'm Argentine, because that's yeah. all she's known. But whereas on the flip side of things, 
she comes here stateside and everyone's like, oh, you're one of us. And she's like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm yeah. one of you. You are going through that transition right now yourself because you've been in Kenya for so long. Yeah. That feels like home. Yeah. So as a missionary who you've had to tell people, hey, I'm out. Like, what's this, what's what's that like for you? So, I mean, like now, whenever people say, you're oh, you're back home. I'm like, yes and no, because, I mean, we have a whole life in Kenya. Right. Like, we live there. We, um, Whenever I first started going to Kenya, it was like, we had a trip and this was the designated time frame of our trip. And we had to accomplish all these things and check all the boxes. And uh, so you just stayed busy and you did ministry the whole time. Right. Now life is ministry, right? Yeah. And, but living on the field, you, you have to do, you have to buy groceries. You have to, you know, put your kid in school and right. <laughs> go to dance practice. And uh, talking about my, my daughter riding horses. Right. So, you know, like our life group, our that we lead at our house, our church that we attend, mm-hmm. the people that understand us now, you know, because they're our missionary friends on the field that right. can relate to us. Mm-hmm. They're all in Kenya. Right. And so whenever we come here, it's more of this now it's a transition. It's a place that I know and familiar with, but it's still different. Right. Um, you know, whenever we first, the first day or two, we have to make sure that we're driving on the right side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a different thing. (laughs) I think Megan, Megan took off from, from the house and, um, Anne Marie was in the back seat and I wasn't in the car. So usually I drive, but whenever Megan, Megan drive, you know, Anne Marie around and she said, mommy, you're not on the right side of the road. (laughs) And, uh, and then proceeds to tell her that she should have her driver's license revoked. I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It just, just takes a little bit of getting back into the feel of things. Yeah. But, it's a transition type yeah. of thing. So again, this is interesting because and this is what I want you guys to understand. This is us putting you guys in the, the space of Paul. This isn't just Paul going, all right, I'm going back home because he's from Jerusalem. Yeah. But this is him leaving family. Yeah. These are people he's done life with. Like exactly. there's a, there's a heart behind that. Like, is it easy to tell, tell the people back home in Kenya, Hey, we're out. We'll be back. Cause I mean, when no. you guys left, I mean, you, had, you weren't really sure when you were able to hit, go back home. Yeah. Whenever, well, especially in 2020, we came back for a few months and ended up, um, the flights back to Kenya were canceled. Right. So like it was, we were in this unknown time of how long will we be in the States? How, you know, we, we want to get back to ministry and we want to see our friends and we want to continue our life. Right. Um, but we were just on like this holding period. Right. And so now at least we have, we know when we're going back. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's always, just always telling people uh, we're, we're going, you know, and they think, okay, you're going to come back in two weeks. And right. No, it'll be a few months, but we'll be back for sure. Right. But your there's a piece of your heart that's there at yeah. all times. And this is where Paul's at. And so Paul's about to head out. He's telling them this. He's like, I've done this. I've served with you guys faithfully. I've done all this stuff. And um, he goes, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me so that I may finish the race with joy. He was passionate about this mission. He was passionate about doing the work that God had before him. Verse 26, we're going to jump down here. Therefore, so in, because of this, because you're not going to see me anymore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. 
So what he's saying there, he's like, look, I just want you guys to know, I've done everything. I've poured out yep. everything I, ha I have. Pastor, there are, there are days where he's at the pulpit and he's preaching, and he's told people, he's like, look, I've, I've given you everything. I've poured out everything I can into you. Everything the Lord's given me, it's yours. And he yep. goes, and the statement of I am innocent of, of, of blood of all men, he's saying, look, it's up to you. This is yeah. all on you guys now to to do the work to take this message and run with it or not. Yeah. He's like, I, I'm no longer responsible for it. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the way that a missionary should live their life because yeah. um, you should, in essence, try to work yourself out of a job, mm. right? Mm -hmm. You should have you should build up the church and the local body to right. the point where they don't need you anymore, right? And uh, that's that's a true missionary, and that's how you see that. You know, Paul knew this from the beginning, like two thousand years ago. Right. And uh, he's saying, you know, I've I've worked myself out of a job. Y'all don't need me anymore. Right. You have all the tools necessary. You just have to be faithful. Right. And, and speaking of that faithfulness, we get into verse twenty-eight. Therefore, so because he's done everything, it's given over to them. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among you. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers and shepherds of the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, I want to marry on this because he gives some specific instructions in the 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 sequence of it. The way that it plays out is it's important, in my opinion, the way that I've read it out. And I've heard some other people talk about it. He says, first, take heed of yourselves. He's saying, so now that I'm gone, watch yourselves. Primarily, first, you as an individual, you need to take heed. You need to watch your personal walk with God. And then on top of that, take care of the flock. There's a lot of people out there that they get so wrapped up in ministry, they lose sight of their of being healthy as an individual yeah. in their walk with God. And that's that's backwards. And it's super easy. It's super easy to to be so busy to think about other people, trying to help other individuals, that you find yourself just not taking care of yourself yeah. spiritually. And then on top of that, he says this, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers and shepherds of the church, of God, which he purchased. He's saying, this is stuff that you're going to take care of. You're responsible for this. This yeah. isn't yours. Like, this is not your church, right? Definitely. Uh, you know, this is the, the mission that you do in Kenya, the stuff that you guys do in the street. and the, the Jesus, That's not yours. Yeah. That's the Lord's that you get to shepherd. You get to steward, which is a, it's an entirely different mindset with some people. Like, this is my ministry. Bless yeah. God. No, yeah. this is the Lord's. <laughs> <laughs> and hey. The reality is the Lord doesn't need you. Like that's a hard thing to, to think about. That's the truth. The Lord doesn't need you, yep. but he's chosen you. Yep. Will you take, will you steward it properly? So some interesting stuff right there. Verse 29. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not uh, sparing the flock. And also from among you, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples uh, after themselves. All right, so what is he describing here right now? He's just describing some people who are going to come in and uh, and play like they know church, and they, they're probably a good preacher. They probably they're probably gonna uh, you'll probably see some healings, <laughs> um, but people who ultimately are going to take their eyes off of Christ and put it on a man. Right, absolutely, and we see some of this play out in the in the in the Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians. Yeah, uh, these are these are what he's warning them of. Yeah. Paul is seen prophetically, and not just prophetically, but just in the, it's very natural. He's probably saw these people ahead of time. He knew yeah. the people these heart people's hearts. He's like, these people are going to get dumb. <laughs> They're going to say some terrible things. Probably dealing with some stuff like with Gnosticism. Yeah, probably. Uh, and there's another uh, terrible sect that was started that was uh, 
the Nicolites. I forgot what they were now that started up some stuff too. But this is what he's warning them of. He's like, they're going to pervert what was said. They're going to add another gospel. Yeah. They're going to say, well, actually, this will be better for you. And it's not what was given to them. And it yeah. doesn't line up. Okay, so he, he's some he's, um, take care of yourself because this was coming. And then he says this in verse 31. Therefore, because this stuff is coming, because you see there's all these terrible things that are about to take place. You got these wolves are going to come in. Watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. He's like, because it's coming, keep in mind what I taught you. The things I was passionate about teaching you with with tears. Yeah. I mean, he's like, and that, I love this because it's that whole phrasing with tears. It shows that how passionate he was about this. He cares about these people. And when he delivered the gospel, when he delivered the word, and he was trying to help them, he genuinely cares about where these people are going. Yeah, exactly. In. This isn't just like, I am here to preach the gospel to you. Sit down and listen, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like he cares about these people. Yeah. Like when I talk to you about Kenya, you can tell you care about these people in there. Yeah. You care about what was being brought to them and and what you're leaving behind with them. As, yeah. you, as, as you've said before, you're raising up local leaders. Yeah. But you're not just doing it just to do it. It's not just a paycheck. You don't get, I mean, some people do, but you're not making, you know, a thousand, you know, thousands of dollars doing this. <laughs> this is a yeah, labor of love. It's not a lucrative business. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the extra ends up back in the ministry doing doing more, more ministry. Exactly. <laughs> Verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you. So now that he's given all these warnings, now that he's given all these instructions, he goes, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So he's saying, look, I trust you. He's like, I, I'm no longer have my hands on it. As a, as a spiritual father, I'm going, this is yours. Yeah. It, you've got to do it. You've got to give it over, which is interesting. Cause again, you're working to build leaders natively Yeah, in Kenya. It's not, Barbier Ministries, you yeah. know, it's it's we're Barbier Ministries, but we're here to build the Church of God in Kenya. Exactly. What's that like handing that over to people? Like when you came off the mission field, you left people there to run stuff. Yeah. How, how what's that transition like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's uh, a <laughs> it can't can't have a little bit of anxiousness to it, you know. Right. But you know that uh, that the leaders there are faithful. They're they're proven um, to know the word, and they they're proven to have good fruit. And you just say, God, God has anointed them as right. much as He's anointed me, as much as He's anointed any main pastor you you know anybody you know or recognize their name. Like God has anointed each one of us the same word. And so, um, just looking at their fruit and saying, Hey, you guys, it's your turn. Right. <laughs> um, there are certain things that uh, that. We like to do as a team, mm -hmm. um, but then there are other things like, all right, go out, right. And then long term, I mean, where we're where we'd like to be is where we empower multiple people and say, here, you you take the gospel and go to that, community. right? You take the gospel and go to that community. And there's these people on this side of the country that you know we're going to plant you in it. It may be being a business person for a while, maybe right. doing being a teacher. Word. Um, how do we get in that community and share the gospel? And, uh, I, you know, like Paul's coming to them and saying, saying, you've, you've learned enough. You've been taught. You've been discipled. Uh, it's kind of like what Jesus did and right now. Now you go. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Verse 33. 
I have coveted no one silver or gold. Now we're, we're having like there's a switch here taking place in the in the narrative here. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. What is he just saying just now to these people? Um, you know, it's interesting here because um, the word talks about like ministers uh, being paid for through their ministry. Right. But Paul I think it was something to do with the culture that day and especially how maybe it was his background mm-hmm. um, being being a Pharisee and then like persecuting church. He, he, he wants them to realize like they didn't have any input of giving him money. Right. And it wasn't for any type of show that he did this. He did this because he was called of the Lord. Right. And, uh, and, and that's the only reason. Like they can't bring it back to, well, he made, we gave him this tithe, you know, we gave him this offering or whatnot. And mm-hmm. I think Paul just wanted to take that whole thing out of the equation. Right. And not to say, and it's important that, you know, we support the church, we support the the ministers on the field, mm-hmm. but I think there was some type of context there that he's getting at and saying, you know, just like uh, the baptism, right. Paulus or, or Paul, or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad that I didn't, you know, baptize any of you and or you would say it was in my name. Right. So I think like that's the same idea where he says, y'all didn't give anything. Mm-hmm. I was doing this all on my own accord. I worked. I was a tent maker. I right. made. I paid my own bills. Right. And uh, and you guys have. You guys can't come back on me and say this is about right. the money. Yeah, absolutely. He he left. He left no room for the enemy, if you will, yeah. to it again. <laughs> not to say that um, it's inappropriate, because he says later, you yeah. know, it's good for you to pay pay for uh, to, to help support missionaries to support your preacher or whatever these are good things for you to do but he knew that talking to these individuals he needed to make clear i'm not doing this for the money exactly um we made joke about that earlier we don't you don't get rich being a pastor i mean i know there's those tv preachers out there that some people see they're like oh they're making all this money that's super rare yeah super rare but also like you and i we come from a particular uh tradition where um there was a, a rebirth of the Pentecostal movement in on a place called Azusa Street. Mm-hmm. But what took place there was people were got were getting radically uh, saved, baptized of the Holy Spirit, and they're going, We have got to go out and spread the word. And they're jumping on boats, they're going to China, they're going to everywhere other which in yeah. the country. They're just going. They're just trusting the Lord. They're like, We're gonna make our own way because yeah. we feel like the Lord has put this on our hearts to do this and we're gonna make it happen. Why? Because they didn't care. They were like Paul with tears sharing the gospel yeah they just i have a passion to share it we're going to share the gospel with or without your help and i think that's key for individuals who you're like man i just you know i want to do ministry but do it yeah like do it in your workplace if you if, uh do it in your in the school if you're if we got teenagers or people and go to school right now do it at your school jump in and do it we, yeah. we have a joke with our team here it's like look you know if the government comes in they said hey the healing place is gone that's fine. We're still doing ministry. Yeah. Why? Because it's our life. <laughs> it's what we do. We can't help but speak about what God has done in our lives. Yeah, we, we live it out, right? Exactly. I mean, outside of this, guys, I promise you, I'm still talking about Jesus. Outside of this podcast, outside of what I do for the healing place, I'm still talking about Jesus and loving on him. And I'm sure you are too. I mean, yeah. you're not just talking about Jesus when you're out, out of church speak, asking for money. You're not just talking about Jesus when you're in Kenya. Yeah. You're doing it on a day-to-day yeah. life because it's who 
you are. Yeah. If, if I could just bring up one thing. So yeah. whenever he's traveling, he's on a missionary journey, right? right? So we're sent out by the churches in America. Right. And whenever we're in Kenya, like we don't get offerings or anything from the Kenyan church. Right. Um, we have to raise that and do our support here in America. Sure. But what's interesting is um, there's this website called The Traveling Team. Okay. And they give statistical breakdowns of different uh, giving to mm-hmm. missions. Now, the annual income of all evangelicals, if you were to lump evangelicals into a country right, and say on an economic basis, you would rank this way as a country. You have America, you have uh, China. Mm-hmm. The third country there listed would be Christian evangelicals. And wow. the amount of income that Christians have um, uh, throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Now, of that, that's like $6.72 trillion wow. of income. Now, money that goes specifically back into missions mm-hmm. um, as a whole, given to missions, now this is also incorporating not just evangelicals, but the whole body of Christ, is $52 billion. Wow. That's Five percent of all the money that Christians worldwide own, mm-hmm. and then of that, we we talked earlier about unreached people groups. Mm-hmm. If you get into how much is actually given to unreached people groups, it's only it's the money that goes towards unreached people groups is estimated at five hundred and eighteen million dollars, which is less than 1% of all money given to missions. Mm-hmm. And it's basically for every $100,000 that a Christian makes, only $1, only $1 mm-hmm. goes to unreached people group. Mm. And the thinking unreached in our world right now, there's 42% of the world's population right. that lives in an unreached community. Mm-hmm. We think, how are we going to reach them, especially if we're only giving... You know, like if you make a hundred thousand dollars, you maybe a two two household, uh, two income family, you right. make a hundred thousand dollars. Only one buck, right, is ever going to go to unreached people groups, and it's just like we have to do more to invest back into the kingdom of God mm-hmm. if we really have a heart to see the nations know Christ. Sure, absolutely, man, that's crazy. All right, well, let's wrap this up. Verse thirty six. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck, kissing him. Sorrow most of all for the words which he spoke, that they they would see his face no more. They And they accompanied him uh, to the ship. And that's it. It's 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 actually a really sweet but sad moment at the end here. And it's Paul going, all right, guys, it's time for me to go. Yeah, I, He's about to walk into something crazy, and but he's trusting the people he's left behind, mm-hmm. the people that he's poured into himself. He's He's gone, I've given you everything I can. Yeah, I'm not asking anything from you. I'm not trying to take anything. And he goes, in fact, I, he, he's worked to bring money to them to help support the local churches there to build stuff up. And now it's time to leave. Yeah. What is the your big takeaway for people from this chapter? Um, I'm just thinking about that. And, you know, I, I feel like one of the biggest takeaways is, you know, it has this tie in with Jerusalem and he had to go to Jerusalem. Well, Jerusalem was just 
he had to get there, and then he was he knew he had to get to Rome, right? And then he had to get to Tarsus. Did I say that right? <laughs> uh, in Spain, he had to get to Spain. He was called to be a missionary to the Gentiles. That's Christ gave him this call, right? And uh, everyone along the way said, "Don't go to Jerusalem. You're going to get hurt." You're gonna, and he's like, "Guys, I know that the, the Spirit keeps testifying to myself, right. but I know what I'm called to do." Right. And so, what I want to say is, no matter how crazy or radical you feel like your call, like the call that God's placed on your life, no matter what He's asking you to do, or you don't know the the circumstances or how it's going to work out, or maybe I might get hurt, or maybe. There'll be some hardships in the future. Like, talk to your pastor, mm. talk to wise counsel. But ultimately, you, you, through wisdom, you fulfill that call on God's life. And don't yeah. let anything deter you from God's call on your life. Because Paul, the persecutor of the church, became Paul, the missionary that reached out to the Gentiles. Who, uh, and it was through the Gentile world that, uh, that, that Western side that really spread the gospel so mm. far true story man so good guys i really want to encourage you um there's a lot that took place here this is a man that has finished his race well with this season and that's again this was just a season of his life of doing missions and continuing there's a lot more we got to go on in, in this <laughs> exactly. book right here guys um but this is what i want to encourage you guys to do i want you just like we said man like if Lord's speaking to you guys go after it seek after it like we said earlier do mission, do missions, do do what God's called you to do, regardless if you're being paid for it, regardless of what's happening in your life. If God's called you to do it, step into it. Let Him provide. Let Him walk you through that whole situation. Yeah. Um, now, all this entire podcast, you guys heard about Cody and what he does in Kenya, other stuff. If you guys would like to help partner with us, to partner with him, to help help send more than just a dollar <laughs> to unreached people, literally reach people who there's not a Christian. Some people, the first Christian they meet is this dude right here and his family. If you'd like to partner with him, go to our website, teachmeshreport.com. Uh, we have a, a section called uh, Teach Me Compassion under our giving page. Just type in uh, Cody and Megan Barbier. It's going to go to them. Cody, if people want to connect with you, they want to find out more ways to support the ministry and help to encourage you, how do they get a hold of you guys? Yeah, um, our website, www.barbierministries.com. That's B-A-R-B-I-E-R mm-hmm. ministries.com. Uh, Barbier Ministries on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, you can find us there. Cody Barbier, look me up. Right. So Cody with a K. Cody with a K. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to say. So guys, hey, thanks so much for being part of this week's Minute Week Move. Cody, thank you for being with us yeah. today and just pouring out and giving out everything you have and helping us Man. understand the scriptures in just thanks a very different me. way. I like. I love the fact that, because like, again, this is a mystery coming off the field and here you are. Man, bringing that perspective, I really feel like even my previous readings of this passage, I missed that. Yeah. You know, so it's I appreciate your insight. So, guys, uh, come uh, hang out with us. Find us on uh, our social media platforms. We're on Facebook. Uh, just look for the Midweek Move. Also connect with the Healing Place, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for THB Shreveport. And um, do me a favor, and we say this every week: share this out with somebody. Don't just blind share it. Be strategic. Be intentional. Who needs to hear about what happened here next twenty? and share it with them because I believe the Lord speaks to you and that he can use this to speak through you. Okay. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Take it easy.